Welcome to The Wounded Christian. I am your host, John Piper. Today's episode is a continuation from the last episode. Looking at the date I released that episode, and today's date, I see that it's been a very long time. And if I'm honest, it's been a really tough time as well. I posted a song to Facebook recently about a new song that I'd been listening to, Even At My Worst, by Blanca. I'm listening to that song as I write this episode, and I want to share with you some of the words. But as always, search for the song on your favourite platform and listen with the sound turned up. So these are some of the words. My insecurities are like a siren, taking over me, and I can't hide them. Even then, you see the best in me that I can see. Even at my worst, you love me. You wrap your arms around me, and you hold me close. Even at my worst, you give me something I don't deserve. You love me, even at my worst. The song starts out with the words, if I'm being honest. Sometimes I worry that I'm being too honest. I am, by nature, a very private person. But through the, the, the book and this podcast, I have poured out to you some very real emotions. And that had started to concern me until I received an email and an Amazon review from my new favourite reader, Jerry. Yes, I have favourites. And if you send me an email, tweet or a DM on Facebook, you too could be one of my favourite listeners. The email and the Amazon review made mention of keeping it real and delivering a message in love. That gave me the courage I needed to put aside the doubt that was creeping in and continue to be real with you. I received the news that my ITP had returned just before we went on vacation in September. When we returned from vacation, my doctor told me he was going to repeat a treatment he did in 2019. I had spent time yelling and cursing at God when I found out my condition was back, so I had mostly gotten over the shock. I hadn't bled to death on the beach, so it was okay with me. But there was a phrase my doctor said that bothered me more than a little. He made the comment, a number of times, that we may find we need to repeat this treatment every couple of years. If I'd had the strength, I would have started throwing things, but I didn't have the strength. So I sat in my chair and did nothing. One side effect of being sick is that I lose my filter. As an Englishman, I was brought up to be polite. It is the very nature of an Englishman to be polite, even to their own detriment. I left England in 2004, and some of that affliction has been removed. But politeness is still important to me. When a moron at work emails me with a really stupid question that they should know the answer to because they get paid more than I do to do their job, I write a scathing reply in my head. I then write a slightly less scathing reply in my email, which I then delete and write a polite reply answering their question. And I use their actual name without referring to them as a moron. But when I am sick, that filter gets broken, and occasionally I reply with a scathing email, although I've yet to call anybody a moron in an actual email. I have, for the most part, been able to keep from upsetting people at work too much. One of the benefits of being English is that true morons don't understand English sarcasm. I struggle with my filter in face-to-face encounters too. That means that when I'm sick, those around me often get hurt the most. I had nearly two years where I was not sick. I had nearly two years where I felt well. My wife had nearly two years with me not being completely emotional and messed up. Two out of 13 years of marriage isn't bad, right? But all joking aside, I can tell when I'm sick, even without the blood tests, because I struggle to control my emotions. You may have no idea what I'm talking about, and if that's the case, I pray that you never do. But some of you may understand all too well what I'm talking about. 
It doesn't matter what you are healing from. It may be medical, physical, emotional, spiritual, or sexual wounding. But whatever you are healing from, the wounding causes us to hurt those around us. While the people around us do not understand our emotional roller coaster, and our filterless lashing out may cause them to run from us, we have a father who reacts completely differently. We would expect him to run from us just like those around us, but he doesn't. Even at your worst, God loves you. He wraps his arms around you and holds you close. Even at your worst, he gives you something you don't think you deserve. He loves you at your worst. I don't know what stage of healing you are at. And as I say this, I hear a critical voice in my head saying, John, how can you talk about the stages of healing when you're right back at the beginning again? But I want to give you a word of encouragement. Say this phrase with me. Healing is a process. Yes, you've heard me say that many times before. Healing is a process and it is not a straight line. So as a reminder, the four steps of healing are these. Step one is to admit that you are wounded. Step two is to want to be healed. Step three is to be willing to be healed. And step four is to take time to heal. For some of us, step four is the longest and most difficult step of them all. We want to be healed now. We listen to preaching that tells us that God wants us to be healed now and that if we're not, then there is a problem with us. But that isn't true. Sometimes God has something for us to learn through the healing process. This week, I finished the last of four infusion treatments. I went once a week for four weeks to sit in a chair in a hospital while I pumped my veins full of chemicals. Each time took between four and eight hours. One of the chemicals made me incredibly sleepy, but I was woken up every 30 minutes to have my blood pressure checked, so I couldn't even sleep. The last time seemed like an eternity, but God sent me a messenger to remind me that he's got this. There's a lady called Sister Bernadette who's a chaplain at the hospital. We have met and spoken with her before, but this time was different. Sister Bernadette is an older lady and looks like I would expect most sisters to look. Close your eyes. Picture an older nun visiting patients in hospital. Yes, that's exactly how she looks. She sat down next to me. She held my arm and started talking to my wife and I. I'd been having a bad day emotionally, but the minute she touched my arms, my emotions started to change. And as we started talking to her about God, her eyes lit up. I don't care what you think about Catholics. This lady has the love of Christ in her. We told her a brief history of what had happened. You thought my book was short. Well, this was even shorter. And we told her about what we think God's plans are for us for the future. She told us how her life had changed before she became a chaplain and how faithful God is when we trust him in the uncertainty. I left the hospital the last time, feeling like I'd had a conversation with God. If you are struggling with the worst that the wounding has caused you to be, I want to tell you it's okay. God isn't any further away from you when you are at your worst than when you are at your best. In fact, he is sitting right next to you, holding your arm, telling you just how much he loves you. It hasn't taken God by surprise that you are at your worst, and he already knows when this season will be over, even if this season seems to have lasted a lifetime. I want to leave you with this. It's a paraphrase of Zephaniah 3.17. 
before you spoke a word, God was singing over you. And that singing has never stopped. In fact, I believe that when we are at our worst, when the worst of us is showing through, the only difference is that God is singing a little bit louder.